Welcome to San Diego Magazine's Happy Half Hour, and this week we are sponsored by the San Diego Bay Wine and Food Festival. One of the most talked about events in wine and food is the San Diego Bay Wine and Food Festival, and it returns November 11th to the 14th, featuring domestic and international wines, craft beer and spirits, local culinary legends, and iconic restaurants. This epic grand tasting takes place on Saturday, November 13th, on the stunning Embarcadero with celebrity chefs, incredible food and wine, live music, and more. Tickets are available at now at sandiegowineclassic.com. Arrive at awesome. And uh, I will definitely be going. It's one of my favorite events uh, of the year. God, just the fact that events are back. Doesn't that feel good? Like, I mean, those are the like, human beings gathering in a place on moss, you know? I mean, just like <laughs> having a bite of food and a drink and, you know, being, being close to one another um, safely, of course. But it got to feel good, especially for the um, Bay Food Wine Festival. I mean, they, they've done a great job forever. Um, I know Michelle, who runs it. Um, she really gives a damn. She knows her food. Um, she's been, you know, she sends out and eat weekly newsletters about the restaurant industry kind of keeping people mm-hmm. up to date and how you can help them i just it's a good festival you guys should go if you can agreed and uh this week we have a really really cool special guest we have chef mike minor the chef of the marine room thank you for joining us and i'm so jealous of your background i want to be on the ocean right this minute it looks gorgeous Thank you so much for having me. And I got to tell you, man, it's like I pinch myself every time I walk into this uh, dining room. It's incredible. And it's been kind of a, you know, um, a dream to move to San Diego. And in the last 20 years, my wife and I have been trying to find a way to get down to this city and and be a part of the community. And, and so I'm blessed, man. I wake up every day going, I cannot believe it happened. We made it happen, right? It's like, one of those things you just put it out into the universe and and lo and behold you know things happen yeah put that paper swan into the stream of life and it goes downstream right to san diego man i mean the 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 view that we're looking at right now that you guys can't see in the podcast is mike minor and right above his le- his shoulder is um the beautiful pacific ocean and it's breaking right at the window of his dining room at the marine room it's i i told him to turn on his video for zoom because he got on zoom and it was just all dark um just kind of like me and he he turns it on <laughs> and i'm like turn it off turn it off it's too beautiful <laughs> i'm sitting here in my crappy little place in ob it's so i got like 20 throw pillows of the dogs eating and here you are in the marine room hey um, i like your exercise bike though dude i had that got <laughs> me through the pandemic man the only reason why i'm alive so let's jump right into news rare society is opening up this week dude, this one is huge for solana beach uh, solana beach and north county i'm from those areas you know it's uh they don't get nearly as many restaurants as we get in Little Italy, North Park, you know, uh, not uh, downtown, Hillcrest. They all have sent, seem to have better restaurants, wouldn't you say? David, you give me that look. Uh, I would say, uh, would you compare them to being as good as uh, uh, Gaslamp? <laughs> <laughs> your, your favorite place to go in San Diego? Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, Solana Beach just hasn't had a, a ton of like a restaurant row. I mean, but they're getting it. It's starting to grow a little bit. I mean, you've got um, a few different spots over there now. And this is going to be from the, re- from the chef behind Fort Oak, Cardellino, Trust. I mean, some of our favorite re- uh, restaurants in San Diego, Chef Brad Wise has basically made a name for himself cooking over red oak open fireplace and this is his steakhouse they did it like a rat pack design it's like vegas news headlines engraved on the sides of the tables mirrored pillow or <coughs> excuse me <laughs> mirrored 
pillars, uh, like a fully shaded patio. The bar is indoor, outdoor. It's kind of a glitzy, glamour, wink, wink, nod, nod to Vegas. I mean, right there in Solana Beach, right there on Cedro. So Cedro, they think it's always been a great place for design. Like if you wanted to, to you know, get some stuff to design for your house, Cedro's design district was it, you know, but now they're getting a lot more restaurants. And I think that they're going to, you know, start to become kind of a destination. You got the belly up over there, a few other places. I love the rare society uh, over on park. Uh, it's one of my favorite places to go. And so this is great for them. And uh, I will also say they have a really incredible happy hour too. And I don't know if they're going to be doing it at this location, but on Wednesdays they do dollar oysters at a uh, rare society in North park. You were talking about that big seafood tower and that steak that you split with your buddy in another episode and it sounded f phenomenal. So here they're going to be, they have an open kitchen where you can see that big grill. You can see the chefs searing the steaks, building the towers, everything else. We're mm -hmm. going to have a first look on San Diego magazine. It's either going to be up by the time this airs, probably not. It's probably going to be up the end of Thursday, um, beginning of Friday, but uh, Rare Society <laughs> opens this weekend. So cool. And we have another opening. I love openings. It's so nice to see openings and not closings. Does that feel good, Makes, man? So feels good. But so mm -hmm. Pacific Catch opened. Yeah, so Pacific Catch, they've been a Bay Area focused fish house. They do sustainable seafood. I mean, they're backed by, by James Beard, a, a bunch of different places for, you know, doing real sustainable seafood, not just saying it. Uh, they do like ceviche tacos, spicy yellowtail ceviche seared shrimp uh they do a vegan west coast style with grilled tofu and they do a lot of tiki cocktails painkillers my ties uh tiki old-fashioned lemongrass mojito and they serve local brand june shine hard kombucha they opened up a utc westfall um and it's i mean it's been in the bay area for i think 18 years and it's been a kind of a mainstay there and any place that is doing sustainable seafood right now um it gets a vote from me that's a great kind of chain to add What's up with like all the malls getting all of these like crazy new <laughs> restaurants and things along those lines? I went and had actually like a really good bowl of, of um, ramen the other day at um, Fashion Valley Mall. And I'm just like, wow, where did this come from? <laughs> you know, you think about it. I mean, malls are now becoming, I mean, you can, you can say, oh, it's not North Park. It's not South Park. It's not, you know what I mean? It's just a mall. You know, but I mean, it's becoming because retail has suffered, right? I mean, retail is, you know, everybody's buying off Amazon, everybody's buying online, you know, so because retail has suffered um, a lot, they've had to reimagine these spaces. And then what they become is it's just a great place for families. So it's a place where you can, you know, go, you've got like kind of a contained area. It feels pretty safe. You can let your kids run around a little bit. You got security guards and, and cameras. And then they have real food for parents, you know, I mean, and especially places like, let's say UTC Mall, like that Golden Triangle isn't stuffed with restaurants. That's mostly a university and business area right mm -hmm. you know so you can go there and you can go to you know javier's you can go um to the consortium holdings secret bar that's in there you know you can and it's really turned into kind of like a micro city with like little hip neighborhoods where it used to just be like a jc penning in the nordstrom <laughs> so we got one last news item for the day and this is one we'd love to hear your opinions on uh, shoot us an email at happy half hour at sdmag.com um what do y'all think about those parklets? They're everywhere. You think they should stay? You think they should go? Uh, there's a new story over on the UT about them. 
Yeah, so Lori Weisberg. Lori has been a longtime journalist in San Diego. She does uh, a great job. She's over at the UT. Um, the city council, in her story, she says the city council approved to make them permanent. These parklets are staying. We did a story on this in San Diego Magazine oh, a, month, a few months back where we talked to the mayor, we talked to the um, fire marshal, we talked to somebody from the city. And basically what they said then was that it's a win. We think that this is a great thing. We want, we have an outdoor city. We've got 73 degrees, partly sunny, burn off by noon. You know, why not take off all the roofs, let those restaurants build out in the street, especially because a few things, they need to recover economically from this, the pandemic, the downturn. downturn the effects of the pandemic are going to last for a year, years after you know, the pandemic is over, right? I mean, after all, like the restrictions and everything, hopefully we get to a point where those restrictions are over, but I guarantee restaurants are gonna need time to make back the money that they got hit on, right? So you leave those parklets. I mean, I personally, I love them. Get rid of the parking spots, even though I, I love parking and we've had this conversation before. <laughs> this, is, this has been accused of being a parking um, podcast because we're always talking about where to get the free spots. I love parking, but take it away from me. Take it away from me. Like fill the streets with people eating and drinking and, you know, and, and just enjoying themselves. Let that restaurant spill out in the streets. And the good thing about this, as Lori explains, um, is that they're going to now they're going to start um, charging them a fee. You know, before it was free because they just wanted to help the restaurants out in any which way that they could. But they're going to start um, making them pay a, a little bit of a fee. And what they use those fees for is like improving sidewalks, street upgrades, bikeways, that sort of thing. So it's a little bit more of a revenue for, for the city. You know, and granted, those parking spots aren't going to be there. But I personally am all for as many promenades and removing parking spots as we possibly can. I mean, there's there's real um, we talk about in the story that we did in San Diego Magazine, like the real, like, um, th there's real costs to human beings associated with taking away parking spots. You know, I mean, we talk about equality and whether or not, you know, um, a family driving out from another part of town can, you know, find a parking spot, you know, and if they can't find a parking spot, they'd have to take Uber. And maybe a family of five can't afford to take Uber. So, you know, then our transportation, public transportation has to get better to help out that family. So hopefully this is just a domino that in really encourages the city to, to invest in public transportation, make it not only just a um, user-friendly, faster, better, where people actually want to use it like other cities. Um, I don't know. I mean, bottom line for me is get rid of cars. <laughs> I, I mean, do less, less cars and more like spaces for people. What do you think, David? Uh, well, a couple things. I thought that this had to be voted on by San Diego residents as that we are the ones that pay for the parking spots. And that's like a, mm -hmm. it's not like city owned. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I, I know that we had talked about that in our story. That was one of the things like you the cities. I mean, we as taxpayers pay for this, the streets and everything else, you know, so I don't know. I don't know how they're going to handle that. I, I didn't see that in the story. So. All right. And then so back to how I feel about them. I love them. I think they're absolutely wonderful. Except when you live above one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which right. can be a little bit difficult. And so. um I'm just going to give you an example. So I live like directly above a brewery's parklet. And um, when I first moved there, I was like, I didn't notice. And then all of a sudden, right outside my window is like booming bad music. Like, uh, like 
music that I just hated. It was so loud. Like I couldn't if you even say have my air windows. supply and call air supply bad music. I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> I think it was worse than that. I think it was like okay. some kind of like new metal kind of stuff. Okay. But um, I couldn't even have my windows open because the parklet was so loud with the music. Me being the nice person that I am, I go down to the go down to the brewery and I order a beer and I start talking with them. And I was like, hey, I was wondering if you um, we could talk about the music outside. And they're like, what are you talking about? And so like, they're like, come out back with me. And so I go out back with them and I'm like, so that speaker that you have there is like, that's my living room window. That's my uh, office window. And that's my pa- or that's my uh, balcony. So, so what go, you're telling me is your surround sound just got bigger. <laughs> yes. But then they go, we're effing a-holes. <laughs> nice. I was like, they're like, like, we're turning this off. We're never turning it on again. I was like, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm asking for you guys to do. I'm like, just turn it down a little bit. They're like, nope, we're going to find a whole different music solution uh, to not completely pollute your condo. And did they? <laughs> oh, yeah, they completely uh, They did. They never turned that on ever again. See, that's the kind of that's how it should yeah. work. I mean, exactly. I, yeah, okay, that's an awesome business. You know, I mean, the the thing about um, her story there, Lori Weisberg's story, is that um, she talked about, you know, the restaurants that are in code violation. I mean, in our story months back, too, we talked about this. I mean, the parklets that restaurants built out, they were just doing whatever they could. I mean, some of the, the guidelines were a little bit murky. They didn't really know. So some of these are elaborate. <laughs> I mean, there's totally. one by my house that has tw- is 20 feet tall. You know, and what the fire marshal told me when we did the story was that, you know, they need that those railings on those parklets to be like three feet. So they're, they're guys with the big hose and the big, you know, equipment and the heavy suit and everything else can jump right over it, clear some tables mm-hmm. and put out a fire. You know, so, I mean, they there's a long list of um, of restaurants that, you know, are still in code violations. So I think all of those need to get you know, redone by the ownership, you know, um, ASAP. And look, most operators want to work within the confines. They don't want to be, you know, um, a scance, <laughs> excuse me, a scance of the law. You know, they want to, they want to do it and be a good neighbor. So I think that they'll probably, you know, come in line, everybody will get back to code. And then, dude, we're France. We are promenade after yep. promenade. We are, you know, th- this is, this is positive news. Agreed. I love them overall. And uh, thank you to uh, Rip Current Brewing for uh, <laughs> for turning the music down. Much love to you guys. <laughs> I'll always visit you. And uh, we'll uh, we'll link to all these articles and whatnot on SanDiegoMagazine.com. Every week comes out on Thursday. And we also want to hear from you, our listeners. Do you have any questions? Need any restaurant recommendations? Is there a guest you'd like to have on the show? Or if you want to sponsor this podcast, like the San Diego Bay Wine and Food Festival, let us know. You can call us at 619-744-0535 and leave a voicemail. Or you can email us at happyhalfhour at sdmag.com. And as a reminder, if you love this podcast, please support us. Subscribe to San Diego Magazine. Go to the website and um, get yourself a subscription. Get your mom a subscription, your dad, your next door neighbor's dog, whoever else. Random strangers get subscriptions and hand them out on the street. I mean, we have amazing creative people who work their butts off to put out every single issue, do all the social media, do the digital podcasting like this man, David here. He's got to pay for a rehearsal studio for his band. I mean, there's a lot (laughs) of really good reasons to invest in people in San Diego Magazine. Yes. And uh, the reason Marie isn't here today is because she is on deadline pumping out that November issue for you all. Working uh, yet again, another human being working their butt off for you guys. Um, Yeah. So subscribe. (laughs) Thank you.
And now to introduce our guest, after 20-something years, one of the best chefs in San Diego has left his post. Bernard Guias of the Marine Room has moved on and named his replacement, Mike Miner. Mike is a reformed punk rocker gone top chef. He spent years as the exec chef in Vegas at the famed Border Grill. He's worked with Wolfgang Puck. He's even had his own food truck that was named one of the best in the country doing Mexican barbecue, a.k.a. Mexicue. He's been on Chopped, Cutthroat Kitchen, yada, yada, yada. Basically, he's pretty awesome, and now he's the new executive chef of the classic, the legendary Marine Room. Welcome, Mike. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I'll tell you this. The Marine Room is a classic, right? I mean, it has been funny because I, I talked to, to Chef Bernard Guias, who has been an mainstay still is a mainstay in san diego cuisine for a long time before san diego really even had food he was putting together groups of really talented chefs and you know making them go to like different restaurants and different places and stores and you know go to the james beard house and you know really try to put san diego on the map and he did he did for 20 something years um how does it feel um taking over you know the reins of a really i mean he built something special there how's it feel step in those shoes uh honestly i i couldn't be more uh proud and and humbled and excited to follow in someone's footsteps like chef bernard he's he's definitely an icon uh, icon here in this in this city and he found me in vegas and recruited me to come here um and you know uh we have some mutual friends and like I told you guys earlier, I was trying to move down here for the last, you know, 15, 20 years. And, um, it was very, very hard. And it's a crazy story because I, I called one of my friends, Rick Moon. And I was like, Hey man, I'm trying to move to San Diego. I've been in Vegas for over 40 years. Do you know of anybody? And he's like, yeah, I got this guy, you know, let me call and then, uh, I'll see what I can do for you. So he calls me back. He's like, all right, I called my buddy. He uh, he's he's going to be expecting your phone call. Uh, give him a call and we'll see what what he can do for you. So I call Chef Bernard and I, I say, hey, Chef, how you doing? I'm Mike. This is who I am. I'm really, you know, if you know anybody looking for a hardworking chef, a guy who's dedicated to sustainability and seafood and really wants to make his mark in San Diego, I'm your guy. No one's going to work harder than me. He's like, yeah, through this pandemic, there's nothing. I said, OK. And we hung up the phone and about uh, two months later, I'm, <laughs> I'm still looking, right? And so I call another friend and his, his name is Kim Cantonwala, really very well-known chef in Vegas. And he's like, I got this guy, let me call him and I'll see what he says. I was like, all right. So he's like, hey, all right, I called my buddy. Uh, he may be reaching out to you. And I was like, oh, okay, well, who is it? And he's like, this guy named Chef, uh, chef. I'm like, Chef Bernard. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> this is the same guy? So Chef Bernard calls me, he's like, hey, listen, this is the second one of my dear friends who have called me about you. This has got to be meant to be like, all right, something has happened and I actually need somebody to come down here. I was like, OK, fantastic. So 12 days later, I'm in uh, San Diego. I'm staying at his house. No, I'm, I'm working as a chef de cuisine for the Marine Room. And by the way. He he has me come in, he has me come down here. I interview. I land back in Vegas. I get the job right. But then he's like, "I need you back out here right away." I said, "Okay, I'm out here." And then I come out here, and he's like, "All right, uh, I'll see you later." I was like, "What do you, What do you mean?" He's like, "Okay, cool. I'll see you tomorrow." He's like, "No, I'm gonna have a baby. I'm leaving." 
And I said, uh, I said, I said, what? Wait a minute. When are you leaving? He's like, oh, tomorrow. I was like, tomorrow? He's like, yeah, so here you go. Marine room's yours. You know, I got this great group of guys that are going to teach you and show you everything I've been doing. And uh, here you go. And I'll see you in about three months. I was like, dude, seriously? Uh, (laughs) It was wild, man. And then, uh, you know, no one knew that he was going to retire. And I had no idea. I was expecting him to come back. And, you know, once it was known to the public, you know, him and I had a really nice conversation and, you know, he just anointed me and said, look, man, you're, you, no one, I want no one else to take over this restaurant than you, Mike. And, um, I think you're going to do a fantastic job. And I told him, listen, I give you my word and your honor that I will continue to raise the bar here at the Marine room and La Jolla beach and tennis club. And that's what I expect. I plan on doing. That is so you're staying at his house. What he just threw you the keys to his car, and he's like, Hey, hey, what do I want to take off? You know what I mean? I'm gonna, no, that's my Italian. I'm, I'm so bad at French. Um, but listen, <laughs> that tells you everything you need to know about that guy, right? He is the most giving person I probably have ever met. Mm-hmm. So caring and generous. I mean, he's he's awesome person. Yeah, just Buddhist at heart and soul and body and mind, man. Yeah, he, absolutely. He is a legend. Okay, so you don't know that you've been hired to take over um, one of the most iconic restaurants in San Diego, and then all of a sudden you're just told that you are. Um, and it's your dream come true. Um, so what, I mean, were you ready for fine dining? I mean, you were at Border Grill, which, I mean, a legendary spot. I mean, you know, I mean, two fantastic chefs they gave you you know the the kind of keys and and trust of their vegas restaurant on the border grill you know i mean what it does but that's not fine dining it's a very different beast right i mean were, were you yeah. no it definitely was you know the thing about it for me and in my approach to the whole fine dining thing is like look i know flavors i know balance i know how to make things look beautiful and i'll let the restaurant and its environment help me through that And so instead of me fighting through it and trying to figure it out, I've just gelled with the restaurant, so to speak. And I've been able to create beautiful food. My plating is I, uh, you know, I never brag on myself, but you're asking. So I, (laughs) I know how to plate. I'm very good at that. And so I let my plating speak for itself and my knowledge of uh, seafood and, and coastal cuisine and, and this Baja vibe that is in San Diego. Kind of just do it, do my thing. Dude, I will tell you this. I was in there the other night. I ate the swordfish and the swordfish kind of is, is it's a story about, about you because, uh, um, first it was using some South American flavors, you know, um, ahi, aji, uh, peppers. Did you say aji or ahi? It's ahi amarillo, which ahi. is the ahi is the chili. And then you have amarillo, you have um, uh, pa- pa- ahi panca, ahi rocoto. Mm. So the, the, or, the chili, the species of itself is uh, ahi chili from Peru. Exactly. So we have the, we have this, it's basically in an ahi panca, um, you know, like a puree, a, a sauce. It is freaking delicious. It is so good and it is beautiful. It's, it's a little Basquiat in a plate. That's a, that's a Vegas art you got going there down in San Diego. Um, but it also tells the story of sustainability. Talk to me about sustainability. That swordfish that way I have was locally caught, um, you know, and it's not your, you know, traditional um, salmon um, or sea bass 
or something that, you know, we know everybody loves to order on menus, but have been overfished. Talk to me a little bit about how important sustainability is. Throw me some stats. Um, tell me how you're going to use it in, at Marine Room. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, from um, being here in San Diego for a very short time, which has been about six months, I've, I've really learned and realized that swordfish here in, in San Diego, Baja, California, is very, very important, right? Um, it, it's, it's caught here. It's uh, locally, uh, sustainably, you know, sourced. I buy it from uh, Chula Seafood, Jimmy, that owns the place. His, uh, his tackle and line are um, very, very special, right? He's the only guy who's doing this, which is a test for the marine stewardship. He has this uh, tackle that is long line buoy, which basically means that his rigs are, are deep set and they're designed to only catch that swordfish and no byproduct at all. So basically what happens is they're monitoring him. If this works, everybody in the country will have to use his long line buoys and, and what they're doing. So, you know, we're actually at the forefront for this at the Marine Room of the Hawaii Beach and Tennis Club because we're buying uh, the most sustainable swordfish you can possibly get, right? And uh, it's, it's just... For someone like me who is, you know, very passionate about it, you know, I'm back by the Monterey Bay Aquarium, the James Beard uh, Smart Catch, you know, all those things I've been embedded for the last 17 years of sustainability and, and, and protecting the, the species that are in the ocean. And it's just, it's like, I, I, like I told you in the beginning, man, I keep pinching myself. It's a dream that I'm able to do what I really set out to do, right, which was how do I connect the ocean and the sustainability to the restaurants and the young chefs that are growing up here in San Diego and teaching them that, listen, you don't have to have Patagonian two fish on your menu to be cool. It's not about the species. It's about how you're responsibly sourcing it and how you're helping the environment and helping restaurants grow into this sustainable uh, venture of seafood and and, you know, so that for generations and generations, you have swordfish. Yep, exactly. It's about, this, about complete, continually regenerating the habitat and the, the species and the ecosystem. And you were talking to me even about wanting, and this is obviously not happening yet, but, but wanting to do like a trash fish, do a yeah. trash fish event. Tell me about that. So I did this in Vegas with uh, Monterey Bay Aquarium, uh, Rick Moonen, um, uh, Susan and Mary Sue, and we had a bunch of chefs from Vegas come into the restaurant. And the idea was, the purpose was one is to teach people about sustainability. But the second part is, is like, how do we take all the bycatch and turn that into amazing, delicious food, right? How do we turn this into like, look, by the way, this piece of fish was uh, caught because they were looking for you know, a sea bass, but instead we're going to take, instead of throwing that fish back into the ocean, which we would say it's trash fish, we mm -hmm. make it taste delicious and, and utilize that fish. And that's yeah. what we did. And it was very successful, really super fun. Like I said, we had the Monterey Bay Aquarium down there. We had us today, uh, us today magazine 
down there and uh, it was awesome man it was, and so that's the kind of vibe i'm trying to produce here in san diego and it's one of the reasons why i moved here and what about the changes you were you were saying i know that this is you're taking over the rings of of bernard's baby um you know but you're gonna make some changes i mean the marine room has not been changed i mean not that it hasn't been changed bernard has evolved his cuisine every single day and every single week depending on what's fresh absolutely but i mean you know, you got some people there, though, that will not that have been going there since they were like 15 years old, which was a couple decades ago. You know, are you going to make some changes at the Marine Room? Are you going to put your stamp on it? Are you going to blow out the walls and do roll up garage doors and have mariachi bands? What are, what are you doing? No, 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 no mariachi bands, no roll up garage doors. We will continue the the um, legend of the Marine Room and we will con continue to honor it. But what we want to do is really bring bring up the coastal, sustainable California cuisine to the forefront, right? Yeah. We want to even uh, embed ourselves even more into the uh, farmers markets here in California, really become the driving force for sustainability here, right? It's like that. It's nothing new, right? Coastal California cuisine. I'm not inventing anything. But what we will do is really focus on that and make it more of this uh california cuisine like i said and and yeah. maybe won't be so such a french restaurant because i'm not french and that's not my background but <laughs> yeah. we will continue to honor the tradition of the marine room the lobster bisque is never going to go away i mean it's just one <laughs> of those amazing bisque probably the best bisque i've ever had in my life the caesar salad is never going to go away i mean why would i ever get rid of something that is absolutely de delicious but what we will do is evolve around that and we will bring something new and shiny and fresh to the marine room so that people don't get bored and that those people who have been coming here forever and ever may not come here quite as much as they used to because they think they're going to get maybe some of the same things and right. what we're trying to teach and tell everyone is like no you need to come to the marine room see what we're doing yes it is an incredible restaurant but i have my own personality and my own style and I think that I can really help, you know, continue to grow and evolve uh, the Marine Room. Awesome. All right. So what? So now we now let's talk a little bit. Now we know what you're going to do with the Marine Room. Let's go back to Vegas. All right, little boy. I want to take you back to when you're five years old. Now you you're writing a a book um, called Growing Up in Vegas. I mean, you don't meet too many people. You know, I mean, you always think of Vegas. I mean, I'm sure that there is a really strong local contingent and I'm not going to, you know, pretend that there's not. But there's I, I you always think of Vegas as a transient community, kind of like San Diego. There's a lot of people that aren't from here that move here, you know, like or there's me. a lot of people that aren't from Vegas. They travel to Vegas. They go to the, there for the weekend. They go there for the bachelor party. They go there for the you know big game. Um, what was it like growing up in Vegas? I understand that you might work for the mob at one point in time. Man, let me tell you, it was wild. So I moved to Vegas when I was eight years old. I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So I spent the last 40 years of my life in in Vegas. And I can tell you that when I got there, gas was 99 cents a gallon. Um, my father worked for the, and I'll give you a quick little story, is my father worked for the Union Plaza. The gentleman who owned it was Jackie Gong. And I, one of my very first jobs, I was a pool boy at the very top of the, the hotel. And you know, I folded a lot of towels, but I also did a lot of weird, random things that I never thought about, you know, when I was a kid. I was like, you know, 
hey, kid, come over here and I take this over to this guy. And I thought I was delivering him a lunch or something. I never knew exactly what was in the brown paper bag. But, you know, as I got a little <laughs> older and I started reading and watching movies and I was like, hey, wait a minute. Was I really a pool boy? What was I doing? It was it was so bizarre because you watch these movies and and I got to be honest with you, Troy. I lived it, you know. In the eighties, the the mob ran the uh, Vegas. It was this ninety uh, uh, two three dollar five dollar buffets. They gave out uh, comps for for nothing because they wanted you to gamble. It was this good old boy feeling. I remember watching TV and watching the news and watching, you know, people, you know, this, this mobster was killed in the middle of this parking lot. And, uh, you know, it, it was just so crazy, man. I've been through so many things. My friends and I would ride our bicycles out in the middle of the desert because there was nothing for us to do. Casinos didn't want kids around them. There was no circus circus, you know, adventure dome or any of this kind of stuff that you see now. It was, stay away from the casinos, go out and play. But the only thing to do was to play out in the desert. So, you know, we would play uh, uh, in, uh, cowboys and Indians and we would jump into these holes and we would be pretending to shoot. And I look back on it now, I'm like, well, why were those holes out there? And why were they so deep? And, you know, uh, as I got older, I learned that, you know, uh, the mob would dig these holes and pre-dig them and, and, have them ready for if you were a bad guy, they were going to take care of you, right? They didn't have to go out and pre-dig, have to dig anything. They were, you know, uh, uh, ready to go. So I don't know exactly what they were meant for, but I can tell you that um, after looking at life and as I got a little bit older, I realized that uh, maybe things weren't exactly what I thought they were as a young kid. Yeah, right. Maybe Santa Claus was actually dad and maybe that hole was meant for a body. <laughs> I got to tell you, man, I saw this book is super exciting, man. And like I said, I grew up in the 80s and 90s of the last 40 years of Vegas. Right. I've seen I've seen a lot of things go down in Vegas and it's a pretty incredible town. I'm so proud to be from Las Vegas. Uh, I've got it running through my veins and um, I'm a Vegas boy at heart for sure. Living in San Diego, which is an incredible city itself. And uh, just just so proud and, and and life has been incredible for me. I've gone through my ups and downs and um, and, you know, I got to say, man, you just you keep moving along, keep chucking. And that's what I do now. I'm really here to get you and David. I mean, I really want to honor the Marine Room and your arrival in San Diego because I've been around you a couple of times now. And not only is your food fantastic, but you're a, you're a fantastic character. Uh, but um, I'm really just trying to get you and David in a band together. Um, yeah. <laughs> This is my whole purpose in life. David is a kick-ass singer, and he's got a couple. He's got like I don't know. He's got like thirty or something, forty bands or something like that. He's like the Around radio, he the radio head of San Diego, um, Tom York. Uh, but anyways, you were in a band. Tell us about your your background in punk rock. I grew up writing about punk rock. I never had the skill set to actually play it. I just listened to it and wrote about it. Um, but you grew up playing it, and I understand you were even on a bill with the Foo Fighters. Tell me, tell, give me a little pass, give me a little history. Well, let, okay, so first, you know, yeah, like I said, I grew up, I have a lot of friends. Uh, there's an iconic punk rock ba uh, bar down here called the Double Down Saloon. Uh, friend, my very good friend owns the place, and I've just been, I've grown up in that in that era, right? And always wanted to be a rock rock star. You know, I'm a self-taught drummer um it's it's been a passion of mine and 
and I and I go back to food, right? Because I think for a chef or for someone who loves food and the service industry, it's about all the sights and sounds. How can you create uh, uh, a, a night out for somebody that has great music, great lights, great food, great ambiance? It's about all this, mm -hmm. all of those, right? Every single thing has got to come together to create a memorable experience. And honestly, I go back to the Marine Room again. It's kind of what I'm trying to do here, right? Is, you know, change the music up a little bit, change, lighten the mood a little. We're not so stuffy. I want my servers to be fun and exciting at the table and really get into what they're doing and teach them. So music is a gigantic part of my life. And well, I was on the bill with the Foo Fighters as a chef, not as a, um, a musician, because hey, if I was, I'd bill. be doing the wrong thing. But uh, there's a music festival called Life is Beautiful in Las Vegas. Uh, it's downtown. It's gigantic. Um, and they bring music, food and art together to create a three day festival downtown where they shut down the whole 20 by 20 blocks of downtown where you can walk on the streets of old downtown. They have uh, stages set up everywhere. And, you know, the first bill that came out was the Foo Fighters and Green Day and like all these badass bands. Right. And then they had the chefs there and I was on. I'm one of the chefs for the uh, concert and um, it was just cool to see. And I looked at it one day. I was like, dude, I'm on the bill with the Foo Fighters like how awesome is that? <laughs> like my favorite band in the world, right? Man, Dave Grohl is the most iconic rock star in my generation. And um, I was just, it was just really fun. So um, yeah, I consider myself a rock star. Absolutely. So, so that, hey, uh, Dave, by the way, dude, whenever you want to start a band, let's rock, brother. I'm into it, man. Sounds good. Sounds good. I just spent uh, the last four days in the studio. I can't believe how sore I am from just being in the studio. I'm so out of show shape. <laughs> but uh, another fun thing about that place, Double Down, that you were talking about in Vegas, I've been there, and you know that they're famous for this one certain drink? Yeah. So it's called Ass Juice. Yep. And basically, it's a big jug that basically every bottle that has like within two inches of booze left in it, they just dump it all into the same jug and then you buy it in like $1 shots. It's I've, yeah. had, I've had a few of them. <laughs> I was there when they made the actual drink and a good friend of mine who has passed away, he was the bartender who created that drink. And um, yeah, man, ass juice is pretty uh, special. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right. So I, I can't wait for punk rock night um, at the Marine Room. Um, you know, it's just going to be. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now I'm, we're I'm talking. Eating, Let's see this happen. Yeah, I'm going to be eating some bisque with some ahi panka swordfish, listening to the dead Kennedys um, <laughs> usher in a beautiful night. I, I, I cannot wait for this. Shepard is going to kill me, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you also had a food truck too, right? I mean, you you did obviously Border Grill, which I mean, again, um, those women are phenomenal chefs and restaurateurs. And, you know, I, I know that you are yep. really close with them. Um, but tell me about the food truck. The food truck did pretty well too, huh? Yeah. So I created a, a cuisine that um, I call a Mexicu. It's taking authentic Mexican food and authentic Texas barbecue and slapping them together. So it's not Tex-Mex. Mm -hmm. It's Mexico. It's moles with Texas style <laughs> brisket. And I created this uh, food truck called Truck You Barbecue. Um, and it was a punk rock style food truck. 
um, that created my cuisine. I have a, I created this burn ends burrito, right? It's, it's a barbecue mole, Oaxacan string cheese, 14 hour smoke, Texas brisket, chipotle coleslaw, duck fat, French fries, all rolled up in a homemade tortilla. Um, just really out of this, out of this world, you know, um, uh, food, man, that no one else does. And still to this day, no one is going to try to do that because I'm known for doing that food. So um, it was a definitely a labor of love for sure. The truck was on the uh, Food Network. It was on the Cooking Channel, Best Thing I Ever Ate. I was ranked top 200 food trucks in America. Uh, it was it was just a really fantastic time and a way for me to kind of break out on my own and and learn all facets of the restaurant industry, right? From the financial part to to the cooking part and everything in between. Yeah. So why did you give it up? Is because you were standing in a food truck as a six feet human being um, and you were like, <laughs> oh, my God, oh, my God, I got to get a bigger workspace. What, what? That was it. You're like the radiator blew out and I'm done. That's it. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, honestly, it was one of those things. I was I left the truck to start my own restaurant and things kind okay. of fell through for me. And uh, it's like those, like I said, those ups and downs in life, man. And one yes. of those things, it was a down is that um, I ended up selling the truck before I had, you know, my contract put into place. And, you know, um, it was a learning lesson for sure, man. But uh, the truck was a huge success. I still get people to this day calling me and asking if they can, if I, if the truck is up and running, if I can, if I can cater, but you know, all good things come to an end. And, and it was a great way for me to kind of continue my path in life. You know, I ran into Lorena Garcia. Um, I helped oh, yeah. her open up. I helped her open up Chica in Las, in Las Vegas in the Venetian, which was a fine dining, you know, um, Latin cuisine that had a Peruvian influence. And I was able to, you know, jump on board with her and, and get that menu up and running. And, and it was a fun, exciting time. And, you know, next thing I know, I was back with the girls. That is awesome. Well, okay. So give us a highlight right now. I know that I just talked about the swordfish and I'm sure that you um, can describe it better, but let's move. What other dishes do you have on the menu now? I know it takes a little while as, you know, a chef coming into an established place to really get to know your staff, to get it up and running, to, you know, change over. If you want different ingredients, you got to change over, you know, make sure everybody knows how to work with them. There's a lot of things that go into really changing a menu, but you've got some things on the menu right now that you've got that are yours. You know, give, yeah. us a, give us an example or two. Uh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, and, and I've got this really cool, uh, what I call the perfect egg, um, which is super neat, man. Oh. We cut off the eggshell and then we stuff it with a corn velouté. I do this um, sous vide egg yolk. And then I take egg, egg whites and I cook them in a saute pan and I get the edges a little brown. And then I put that in a can and I make a charging can. I make foam out of it. And then I top that with a little foam and a little Cetra caviar. And it's what we call the perfect egg here at the, the Marine Room. And it's out of this world, you know. We're doing a, a whole sea bream with a Mediterranean pan sauce and a cilantro pesto that goes with it, mm -hmm. which is pretty in incredible. Um, yeah, so we're, we're doing a lot of fun things. My cones, which I'm known for in Vegas as well. We do these ahi cones, uh, which is local caught. Uh, ahi tuna. It has a little Serrano soy glaze. It's in this little cornet. I put a little slice of Serrano chili over it. 
I finish it with some more uh, Acetra Gold Caviar. So we've really uh, uh, changed a lot of the vibe on the menu already. And the, the guys in the kitchen have been incredible. And my whole philosophy with that is like, it's not about me. It's about yeah. us as a team. It's about every person in that kitchen coming together to make incredible food and to make an incredible experience for the guests. And that's what we do, man. I get everybody involved and I, I don't have this ego of like, this is my food. You have to cook it the way I tell you. It's about, hey guys, this is what I've been doing in Vegas. This is yep. my style. Let's everyone contribute to this dish to make it even better than it was before. Yep. And that's kind of the vibe in the kitchen now, man, is like everyone's inv involved and it's been really great. I just recently got promoted to the executive chef of the property, which means I run the whole entire, all three outlets. I took one of the sous chefs. I made him, you know, chef de cuisine for the restaurant and him and I work close at hand. And it's great to be able to promote people who have been here for super long, give them some power, let them be a part of the creative change that's happening at the Marine room. And it's a sight to see, man, the kitchen has energy. It's young, it's focused, it's dialed in. But at the same time, we're having fun too. We play a little music, which you'd probably never think would happen in a kitchen like that, right? We put on some rock and roll, we let, we, we let loose and we cook our asses off. And, and the results are what you see at the dinner table. God, I love that. Well, I'll tell you this, man, the, the Marine Room, you know, for having such a beautiful property that you would think that it would be so um, quiet and reserved and, and, you know, they have through the years hired two of the biggest personalities that I've ever seen because Bernard was not a shy human being or it was, I mean, he's still with us. Bernard is not a shy human being. He is a walking brochure for what everything that is great about French culture, man, it just loves food. Has you know, he has got a lot of personality. He's got a lot of love. He, he brings everybody yeah. together around a table. And now you from Vegas, punk rock kid, you know, who's put in his time. You know, once to come to San Diego, you finally arrived, brother. So, um, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here, man. Thank you, man. It's been my honor and, and uh, I'm just very, very blessed and lucky that I can, you know, be a part of this community. And that's what I'm trying to do now. It's just embed myself into the community, make friends, let everybody know what's going on here at the Marine Room, help anybody I can possibly help along the way. Whatever it takes, man, is, is, has been my mentality through life. And, and if I can help you, believe me, I give you my shirt, shirt off my back to help you out. And I will say, everybody, go try that perfect egg because it's like uh, it's like eating. If the Fabergé was food, you know, I think that's what it is. I mean, it's just it's perfectly creamy and it does taste like a little bit like those browned eggs. You know, you get that nice brown around it that you kind of get that caramelization feel. Oh, it's, it's delicious. Anyways. All right. Well, we're, we're moving on now. Chef, you've been here six months. Um, I'm going to let David kick this off because I sometimes try to steal his job and I'm going to stop doing that because I'm not a jerk. Uh, but, it's, but your mic's not on, so uh, maybe I should. Uh, wow, I, I was victim of the uh, the not mute button. <laughs> and Troy, you can steal my job anytime you want. I'm more than happy for you to do that. <laughs> but yes, Chef, where are you going in town now that you've been here? Uh, two people, 50 bucks. 
Dude, you guys, I got to say, man, I've been coming to San Diego for a long time just to get away from the heat in Vegas. And one of my for 50 bucks, I'm I'm going to Rockies, man. I'm going to get a kick ass burger. I'm going to get a nice cold beer and and one of my very favorite places to go. And and, and if they're not open and something's not going on with them, man, I'm going to go to Mike's Taco Shop, man, and OB. I mean, those guys do it right over there. One of my very favorite tacos and in all of San Diego. So if I have any extra money left, I'm going to both. <laughs> my God, man, you just I mean, don't tell any more people to come to my, to, to my neighborhood, man. Like, I mean, you know, you send them other places, you know, I mean, not to be get out of my yard, but I mean, that, that's my that's my street, man. Yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> and both those guys, Mike's tacos, I get them all the time. The spicy shrimp taco is fantastic. It, it is really, yeah, it's so good. And Rocky's is is just well, I mean, obviously Rockies is MPB. Rockies is lumpy and greasy and beautiful. And you better order it quick because if you don't order quick, the guy's going to bark at you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cash only. And that tells you everything you need to know about a place like that. Right, man. It's like uh, that is like a, just one of those best burgers, man. And it's very unique to uh, OB for, or PB for sure. So, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go to either one of those, man. Awesome. You know, I cook all this fancy food and I'm always doing, you know, nice high end food on my days off, man. I just I just want to be a beach bum. You know, you'll find me with a hoodie on my hat on some flip flops and I have a taco in my hand and a beer in the <laughs> other hand. And, you know, I'm just trying to be a normal Joe. Yep. I hear you, man. All right. So with mine, I'm going to not be a, a, a normal Joe. I'm going to go up and and check out. Have David. Have I done Vaga yet? I don't think so. Okay. My review in this month's issue of San Diego Magazine is Vaga. Um, Claudette Wilkins. Claudette Wilkins um, is uh, just a badass human being. Um, and she has you know, worked in San Diego for a long time. She got nominated for a beard. Um, she's been on Top Chef. Uh, she's, she's just worked her butt off. She's worked her butt off through so many different cuisines and so many, I mean, so many different kitchens, um, put in her time. And she is now like basically like the head chef for, I, I think the entire hotel group. I'm not, don't take me for my word on that. That's uh, we'll actually get real facts in here soon, but she is the executive chef of Vaga, which is the new restaurant at Alila Marea, um, which is right. The new resort right by Lucadia and South Carlsbad campsites. It overlooks the lagoon right there. It is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen in my life. I didn't know we had any more coastal spots in San Diego that you could sit in, have a cocktail and a good, you know, some good food. Now, we, I went in there and the menu, like when she's not in there, sometimes it's hit, sometimes it's miss, you know, but there were some amazing hits, like her Parker House rolls. You go sit at the bar, you overlook the Pacific Ocean at the sunset, you get a Parker House roll, and then you also get her clams that she does. She does this clam um, that, I mean, broth is the most important thing about clams, period, right? And hers are phenomenal. So good. Uh, and then... What else? We got? Oh, her burger. Oh, my God. It's like fondue meets a burger. It's just it comes out. It's got cheese. Looks like a murder scene of cheese. It's just like sp spilling all over. It's like queso. It's phenomenal. So anyways, that's where you got to go. Vaga, South Carlsbad, North Lucadia. Um, it's parking. I would say park across the street on the dirt. <laughs> um, pull off on the road in the dirt right on Highway 101. You can kind of sneak your car in there. Um, otherwise, you can do valet, but park over in the dirt. 
<laughs> yeah, that restaurant is incredible. I got an opportunity to eat too, man, and the the bass was the sea bass was out of this world, man. She's yeah. definitely doing some cool shit for sure. <clears throat> David, where are you and, going? And uh, I'm going to. Uh, I also uh, I left North Park, so no. if you can believe that, I actually I left left the area for once, and uh, I went up to uh, Ballast Point in Miramar. And uh, I did a victory at sea beer dinner where they basically paired every course with a different type of victory sea victory at sea. So there was like uh, one that was barrel aged in uh, wine barrels. There was one that was aged in bourbon barrels. And there was one that was just uh, the regular straight up one. And oh my gosh, Chef Chewy there is really underrated. This guy is phenomenal. Like we had creamy lobster risotto with uh, some uh, parmesan shaved on top of it and some truffle oil and then uh some pancetta wrapped scallops served with like a cauliflower puree and then like to like the main course like they did a 30-day buttered dry aged filet mignon braised with cabbage and parsnips oh my gosh it was so so good um and just really all their beers are really really great now ever since they became local again and not like owned by big beer you can just really feel the difference in culture there and everyone is happy to be working there and the beers that they have there the r&d ones they're just they're fire awesome well then we're gonna everybody grab mike um put some uh buzzcocks on in the in the car on our on our spotify and <laughs> we're gonna go get a rocky's burger and mike's taco and we're gonna go on over to ballast yeah, that's it. Sounds good. And then that's where we'll, st we'll start writing songs. <laughs> and that, yeah, of course. We'll start just writing a little bit of poetry. Hey, did, speaking of songs, did you know that the lyrics for Peaceful Easy Feeling by the Eagles were written in a der the parking lot of Derwiner Schnitzel in North Park? Or sorry, Mission Hills. I yeah. did not know that. Yep. A local guy who is good friends with the Eagles wrote Peaceful Easy Feeling, which is now a coffee shop right there at the edge of Hillcrest and, and Mission Hills. Right there. That's wild, man. <laughs> Wild, wild facts, wild facts, wild facts. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on, brother. I appreciate it. Everybody, go check out the Marine Room. Um, Mike is obviously, you know, honoring the tradition while also adding some new stuff. Um, we got some good music on in the kitchen. Uh, I will tell you that swordfish was absolutely phenomenal. Your steak was phenomenal. I, I, it is, you forget when you go into the Marine Room, like just, you had to arrive in San Diego 50 years ago to get a spot like that. You know, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, for the, for the first settlers, you know, like it's like that, that spot is so amazing. You just, you're surrounded by the ocean on both sides of you. You know, you're seeing it come at, come at you. It's a beautiful room. And uh, I'm so glad that you're here kind of adding new life to it, man. Thank you so much, man. Thank you guys for having me. And uh, yeah, I'm like jumping in the kitchen and, throw down some new food we're working on new new food already every single day and we got something new coming out right on so let everyone know where they can find you or the restaurant on social media or best way to order online anything like that yeah so you can go to la jolla uh beach and tennis club.com if you click on the marine room it actually shows some of the new food that we're doing um there already which which is pretty exciting that swordfish there's a picture of that swordfish on there um you can check me out on facebook uh chef mike minor uh instagram uh mike minor um follow me because I, t I gotta tell you is like i'm always doing videos of us cooking in the kitchen i'm always taking pictures of food that we're working on i'm always celebrating the other chefs that are are joining me in this in this crusade of making fun, new, exciting food here on property. And uh, it, it's always a lot of fun for sure, man. Awesome. Awesome. 
Well, that's another week of the happy half hour. You can find Troy on Instagram at Hey Troy Johnson. You can find me at David Eli Martin. And you can email Marie, who is not with us this week, uh, at marietsdmag.com. And uh, we'll be back with you again soon. That's it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks, Mike.